Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, Darren and I talk about exclusive PlayStation 4 games, and we also look at bringing PC gaming to the living room. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McKay. Dennis, there's a new project in the lab, or should I say series of projects? Yeah, at least two. I see a couple of really beautiful custom painted cases, and I know you've talked about this in your Facebook. For the folks that are chiming in on the podcast, uh, fill us in. Last year, when uh, Ninja Lane became HardwareAsylum.com as a incentive for people to come over and pay attention to the new page, I custom painted a case that I just had laying around in the in the lab. Well. I am bringing that back. I'm going to try to do that as a yearly thing. And I have two custom cases painted up, ready to be given away. Now, these are Silverstone cases, if I'm not mistaken. We have a Silverstone Raven 4, and we also have the Cooler Master Half Stacker. And this is a Series 1 stacker, because there's two of them. Oh, and from here, it looks like three cases, but that would be the stacker's two separate compartments, both customized. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, they're following the similar theme, so I kind of did a color uh, mod on them. So we have the Hardware Asylum Pearl Orange Automotive Clear Coats, super awesome paint job. Right, and I know you did some different techniques on this one. Yeah, I was trying out a few new things, and some of them worked out, and some of them didn't. So, I mean, they're not show quality cases, but, you know, these are giveaways and they're awesome and they're one-offs and you will be happy to have them anyway. And they're great cases. So if nothing else, you're getting a couple of really phenomenal cases Yeah, exactly. with some fancy custom paint. Mm -hmm. So how do we get these little cases in our hot hands? Well, I'm hoping to start the giveaway January 1st. So it's going to be a new year's announcement. And on those uh, pages, you will get to the instructions. And I will give you a hint. It's going to be related to social media. And who's not already involved in social media to some extent? Yes. And the Hardware Sound Podcast. And I also see a couple of power supplies. So these cases aren't walking out the door just custom painted and empty. That'll be at least a little something extra. Mm -hmm. At least a power supply per case. Fantastic. So check back with us on the Hardware Asylum Facebook or Twitter. Or, of course, the website for more information coming soon. As you're hearing this podcast, it is December of 2014. Are you sure? I am sure. Well, at least it should be. It should be. (laughs) And if it's not, talk to Dennis, because it's his fault. But anyway, normally this time of year, I like to talk about uh, Christmas shopping and Black Friday and that sort of stuff. And this year, I thought, in a change of pace... We'd talk a little bit about the console world. Okay. I I can agree with that, kind of. Well, and, you know, without a lot of hot hardware going on out there, and at least for most of us, it's a little too soon to be moving into X99 because it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, So this was a good year for consoles. And, in fact, the sales talk about it. Now, Microsoft's Xbox claimed victory on Black Friday, and I thought that was kind of interesting. So I looked into it, Mm -hmm. as I'm not an Xbox or Xbone user myself. 
And in fact, I bought a second PlayStation 3, so I am part of the bad statistics this year. And that's another story. Well, you're also Mr. Sony. I'm kind of the Xbox guy. That's right, but you don't have an X-Bone, do you? Not the X-Bone, uh, but strangely enough, we have uh, two 360s. Um, and I also had a version 1 360 when they first came out, oh. the white ones. And it finally red ringed. <laughs> so you finally are that guy. Yeah. So only um, now well out of warranty, sadly. Yeah. Well out of warranty. So I have two identical uh, 360s. Well, almost identical. One of them is the the standard 250 gig 360 edition. And then the other one was a four gig edition, which is basically just like the other one, but it didn't come with the hard drive, which I found out about. But it came with oh, the Connect. My. And I don't know. It's a whole big mess. But. <laughs> So that being said, both consoles, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One or the X-Bone, um, have had a chance to mature. And the big excuses about the cameras and the lack of games have largely been forgotten. So this is a good year to take the temperature mm-hmm. of what the sales are like. And, of course, Microsoft heavily discounted their Xbox Ones this yeah. year in addition to some of the bundles. And in fact, they did win the Black Friday battle in total sales with dun 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 seven hundred twenty one thousand five hundred and sixty nine Xbox Ones sold, according to VG Charts, which tracks that sort of thing. Yeah, no, well, these are also estimates. That's right. We have. Uh, it looks like almost. Uh, well, we have one hundred ninety five thousand seven hundred Xbox three sixties sold. Well, well, that just shows how the market has matured for the original Xbox. And, of course, they have the Slim Out, which is much cheaper and still a great purchase. In fact, I had a Xbox 360 for a time myself before I passed it on to a buddy. Yeah. Well, the original 360 was pretty big, had cooling issues. Mm-hmm. The new 360 is just smaller, ironically, less cooling problems, and... Well, we've talked about this in the PC world, the trend towards smaller and faster and lighter Mm -hmm. and better cooled machines. So Microsoft claimed publicly, and this may just be a rumor, but of course their marketing thing, that they outsold the Sony PlayStation almost two to one. And the reality is is that's a bit of a stretch, but not as bad as you think, because Sony sold, uh, according again to VG Charts, about 554,350 PS4s. Mm-hmm. But more interestingly, and, and you kind of alluded to this also, was that Sony sold 101,100 PS3s, which is phenomenal for a system that is over, what, almost 15 years old? 10 years old for sure. Yeah, well, it's the same age as the 360 for the most part. And in the handheld world, well, actually, to be fair, there is a third party, and that's uh, Nintendo, mm-hmm. and they sold 231,000 Wii U's. And although the Wii U gets kind of a bad rap, they didn't really discount it, and they're only just barely starting to get some of the killer games folks have been waiting for, like Zelda and Mario Kart and Super Smash Brothers and those kinds of things. So that's pretty good. Yeah, well, the Wii U had gaming problems where they had a lot of games because they had to be specially designed for the, the new control system, and a lot of companies were slow to put those games out for that console. Well, and I, I think that they they suffered a little bit of fatigue from the massive amount of Wiis that were sold. Mm-hmm. And you can see that a little bit in the Wii sales. The original Wii sold 32,200 Wiis, which is a, is a pretty small number, especially yeah. when you consider that the global saturation has improved. Although, the hand, speaking of, those are consoles. Yes, yes. And we also have handholds, handhelds on here. 
where we have uh what is this the the 3ds <laughs> sold 318,600 yeah and that is amazing when you consider that that is getting up there almost to the PlayStation 4 totals but you've got to remember that the 3ds is a very mature system and it was also the most massively discounted system out of all the ones we've talked about and to be fair sony's handheld which hasn't exactly been the blockbuster sales unit sold thirty-five thousand, and that's the ps vita and i actually picked up one of those used this last weekend and haven't even had a chance to turn the thing on. But to be honest, it was a price-motivated decision. Yeah. But all of this may change this Christmas season because a game-changer, if you will, has been announced as a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Now, we've seen exclusives before, but is this like a timed exclusive, or is this a hard and fast, no, it's not going to leave our console? Well, you know, that's a great example of two different trains of thought that we've seen on the market. And... The most recent one really has been Titanfall, which was an Xbox exclusive. It was a timed exclusive. And yeah, and it really, I mean, it hit very strong and is kind of it died flaming out <laughs> I mean, to the fact where, uh, and the PC version, of course, is out, which would be my game of choice. Mm-hmm. But the, if I'm not mistaken, over the holiday sales for Thanksgiving, they had it down to $5. Yeah. And I want to say, I alerted you to that. Yes. And in my email, I said, you know, I still don't think it's cheap enough. You know, and the sad thing is I really, I waffled and did not buy it because I just kept thinking, well, there's just not a lot of people I know playing it. And the servers themselves have such a bad reputation, whether it's true or not, it's killing sales. And it actually killed my sales for it. But the PlayStation 4 exclusive that was announced this week is a big one. Dun dun dun. Street Fighter Five, and that's well, that's an arcade game. It is, but from a console perspective, which, well, let's face it, you can get a lot of these games on the PC, but console games and arcade games really complement each other so well because. The controller structure Mm -hmm. suits console gaming. In fact, we've talked a lot about this, that fighting games, racing games, platform games, which are all really popular arcade-style games, Mm -hmm. really benefit from the use of a controller, and they don't have the benefits of the mouse and keyboard like a first-person shooter does. Right. Well, with the first-person shooter, uh, regardless of which one it is, uh, they're hard to play with a controller because you got a thumbstick and you need to be able to aim. Whereas with the mouse and keyboard, at least for me, being a mouse and keyboard kind of guy, it's easy for me to do. And you also have a lot more buttons available. Whereas if you're playing like Borderlands with a controller, Mm -hmm. you almost have to like double do buttons to bring up certain menus and stuff like that. Well, way back in the day when I had my original Xbox, I bought a funky little controller. And I can't recall the name, but it was a little adapter that would let you use a mouse and keyboard on your Xbox. Mm -hmm. I had one of those for my uh, Dreamcast. And I remember thinking how obvious this is for shooters, especially when I would go into games on the original Xbox, first-person shooters like, oh gosh, original Halo, for example. And I would dominate the controller folk because you had that nice auto aim (laughs) sadly (laughs) that the console has but you had the twitchy control aspects of the mouse and keyboard and it just really got to the point where it kind of wasn't fun the advantage Mm -hmm. and And that might be one reason why we can't beat up on uh, 
PlayStation and Xbox people's from the PC. Yeah, I remember when, when that was the big thing, crossover games. Yep. Yeah, Windows Live. Yeah. <laughs> Not sorry to see that go. But the fact remains that I still am surprised every generation, especially as the consoles have gotten more and more like small form factor PCs with the X-Bone and the PlayStation 4, that they don't support native mouse and keyboard. And this isn't a touted feature for them for first-person shooters. And so we're back to using controllers. Now, I'll be honest, I have an Xbox controller for my PC, Mm -hmm. and I use it uh, very rarely. I think Trine 2 was the last game that I really enjoyed playing with the controller. But my son will occasionally use it to split-screen with me in a game. But in Steam, you have the controller support and, of course, the big picture mode. Mm -hmm. So they're really pushing to bring those games, and it's not all of the games on Steam, of course, but a good portion of them from the PC back out to your TV and your controller. Well, it it allows um, a wider audience to use Steam games, which, you know, Steam is just a a DRM. It's a way to to get games out to people you know, you can get Steam sales getting really cheap. Right. It also keeps track of all your keys, so you don't necessarily have to reinstall the game every time. You just have to re-download it and make sure that it's always up to date. Originally, when Steam came out, I thought it was really dumb because I, I <laughs> liked my discs. I wanted to be able to install oh, yeah. it on any, ga- on any system I wanted. Well, there are still a lot of folks that preach that Steam is essentially the grandfather of the DRM copy protection. Mm-hmm. And Steam has been very vocal in the past about how if the Steam structure folds, that you still be able to play your Steam games in a standalone mode. And, of course, we trust them on that, and we hope that that day never comes. Yeah. Well, I have played my games offline on Steam, and they work great. It's just that you can't uh, upload your saves to the cloud. And uh, it brings up an interesting thing. In the lab, I'm testing a new... uh, Steam machine. Oh, that's right. And this is the CyberPower machine, right? Yeah, the CyberPower Cyber Gaming um, Steam machine. And these are the ones, uh, they're called the Vapor. Now, this is not running the Steam OS, though, right? No, it's not. Um, so the Vapor runs? It runs Windows 8.1. Oh, okay. So it's fairly current, or well, at least at this point, current. Yeah. It, they come in three different versions. There's an Extreme, an I, which is an Intel version, and then an A, which is the AMD APU version. And that's the one that they sent to test. Um, now, I think I've seen this in the lab, and it actually even looks like a console. Yeah, they did. White and black theme, but essentially it's the same size and shape as a as a home theater component. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same size as like a... A big Blu-ray player, right? Um, slightly small or slightly larger than the original Xbox 360, but inside it's a mini ITX motherboard. It has an SFX power supply, so it's small power supply, full-size video card. This is very important. And um, the system I tested had a full three and a half inch hard drive. Okay. So you know, it's a full system in a small little box with not much ventilation, which is one of the big downsides of that. But so now we've referred to this as a steam box mm-hmm. and it doesn't have the steam OS. So what gives it that steam box, uh, nickname? Actually it's, uh, well, windows 8.1 runs the OS. When, uh, when you turn this box on, it basically sends you through, you know, the first install is basically send you through the windows setup, which we're all familiar with. And then it asks you to log into steam and it logs into big picture mode. 
Oh, okay. So does it come with a controller? It does. It comes with two controllers, actually. It comes with a, a very popular home theater PC style wireless keyboard. Very small. Has a little touchpad on it. Okay. Now I've seen that. That's the Logitech, if I'm not mistaken. No, that's the, the mini keyboard. Oh. The game controller is actually the Logitech 710. Oh, okay. That's what I'm seeing then. So that, oh, the controller is the little keyboard thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's slick. Yeah, that, and that's how you can run, um, I mean, you can run that within the Steam OS, or you can actually, like, type an email out in, in Windows. All you have to do is just exit the big picture mode, and you have a Windows desktop. Well, essentially a home theater PC, if it's hooked up to your uh, TV and your home theater system and all that good stuff. Yeah, although you have to make a, a distinction between what is a Steam box and what is a home theater PC, and what is basically putting your desktop into the living room. So what would be the difference? It would be, again, going back to purpose-built PCs. Okay. And this is something that you and I both know because we used to build, you know, design computers for people to put together. It's like, okay, well, are you going to be gaming or are you going to be just surfing the web? And it would dictate what components to put in there. Exactly. Well, with a home theater PC, there is a prevalence on storage and also making the computer extremely quiet because it's going to be in your home theater, and you're going to be basically playing movies the entire time. Okay. You might need an optical drive, play Blu-ray, so on and so forth. Well, with a Steam machine, the prevalence is on playing games. So more of a compatibility thing? Well, it's more like you need to have that video horsepower, just like in your desktop Oh, PC. yeah, and you mentioned that importance of a full-size video card, or at least a full-power video card. Exactly. And that would be why. Yeah. Well... Unfortunately, since this box is really small and doesn't have much ventilation, you put a full-size video card in there, you start playing uh, a Steam game, any of them. I played, uh, I played like six different games, some of streaming from my desktop PC and some of them running native. Okay. Um, it actually really worked that entire system, so it got really hot. Now, how's the ventilation on that thing? I'm visualizing it in a stack or maybe on top of a stack of other components. It's... Um, not as good as it should be. Um, unfortunately, the, the main fan, the exhaust fan, is the power supply fan. And they put in a 300-watt SFX from uh, uh, Silverstone. Okay. And it's bronze-rated, so it's not terribly efficient. You start actually using the video card and stressing the, the APU. You know, it's running an AMD processor. It starts drawing a lot of power. And that fan just ramps up and is choking out heat the entire time. Well... It doesn't actually pull it from inside the case as well as it should. But that's okay. You just put in an aftermarket water cooling all-in-one kit or, uh, you know, some Be Quiet fans or something, right? It, well, you would like to, but the, again, the case is pretty small and the cooling options are fairly limited. So I went back to CyberPower and said, you know, you really need to put in a, a fan in this thing. And they said, oh, well, we have a spot for a 120 <laughs> millimeter fan. It's just that we have to use a smaller hard drive to make it work. Oh, so I think that's going to be in like a version two, which is going to be, uh, it'll increase the cooling. I put in a couple of fans in there just to see if it would help. And believe it or not, having air moving inside the case really keeps it a lot quieter. I believe that it doesn't have to work as hard. We've talked a lot about how the small form factor cases, you know, you have to reach a compromise with components and cooling. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think a perfect example. Yeah. And that's why this particular computer cannot be a home theater PC because it's going to be loud. Well, in a gaming system, that's not such a big deal. No, it's not. And yeah. it's it, that's where special built 
hardware comes in and, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are saying, well, we're going to build a steam machine and this is what you have to put in there. You know, their list of components is basically a gaming computer, but then they, you know, the first comment from somebody is like, oh, well, this could also be a home theater PC. And it's like, nope, it can't. Well, this being hardware asylum, how does it perform? It performs actually better than expected. Um, it's a AMD based machine. Um, if you uh, ignore the aforementioned uh, cooling issues and the extra heat and whatnot, um, it performs really well. Um, I focused mostly on streaming. So uh, using big picture mode as the interface and then connecting to another computer on your network running Steam, you can run any game in your library over the network. Now, this is wired, wireless, both? It, both. It has a wireless AC, so you can uh, actually super fast wire, Wi-Fi. I had it hooked up to my gigabit um, home network. And um, doing that, it actually wasn't pulling a lot of data down, and it was maintaining 60 frames per second. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. If you turn down the resolution, you actually didn't have as much latency because you have, um, you know, it's streaming, so you have to put your input from the controller into the Steam machine over the network to the other computer to actually, you know, so if you turn left, there's a little bit of latency. But if you reduce the screen resolution, it reduces the network um, bandwidth latency and then kind of speeds it up a bit. Well, that sounds good, but can you overclock it? You can. You can overclock anything. But would you want to? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> actually, the what's really cool about the... Um, the cyber gaming machines is that they are basically a PC. So anything that you can uh, install over the network or install over steam, you can run. So there happens to be a, uh, a little program from EVGA called precision X that's available on steam. So you can download that and install it overclock your video card from a steam approved application. Well, there is one good thing about running a steam box and that is you get the benefit of steam sales. Yes, Steam sales, and that's going to be coming up here pretty soon, I think. Yeah, it's true. We had a little bit of a, a heads up, if you will, or an early preview of the infamous Christmas sale over Thanksgiving, the Black Friday sale. I picked up a couple of games. Yeah, I'm hoping to pick up a, a few as well. I know I got, um, what was it, Borderlands and Borderlands 2, and then all of the, I don't know, what was it, original Borderlands Gold Edition that came with all the DLC and everything. It was like 10 bucks or something, and it came with Borderlands 2, which I gave to a family member. Um, what was it? I got all of the Stalker games. I got oh, classics. All, the, all the Tomb Raider games. <laughs> Loaded up. Yeah. See, think... and the benefit of Steam is that you get these games, oh my gosh, 75, 85% off if you're patient. Mm -hmm. I know I picked up Tropico 5 for better than 50% off. And I'm revisiting a classic game from my youth in the electronic version of Space Hulk, which Ooh. is a nice turn-based shooter yeah. that uh, works great through the streaming onto my Windows 8 tablet. So there's a lot of versatility in running a Steam box, mm -hmm. also as a source for other devices. That's very true. So in a way, the Steam machine, I, the ultimate console... Is it the future of gaming? I don't think it's the future of gaming, but it definitely can't replace a PlayStation or an Xbox. Um, those those machines are special built for um, gaming, 
you know, and it's either arcade style games or whatever they happen to have on there. You're never going to get those out of the living room. But for people like us that do PC gaming and want to have a little bit more versatility about where we play, Steam Machine might actually be the answer. And it does take things like hot seating and split screening and makes them a viable party solution. Mm -hmm. So you have the opportunity to play on your 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 inch or better TV without having to give up your PC games. So I think in general, there is a future battle to come between PlayStation 4 or 5 or whatever generation and Steam boxes. So we'll see where the future takes us. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on HardwareAsylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS, now available on iTunes. Join us on Facebook or follow us on Google. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2014. Thanks for listening.